Hi everyone, welcome to the Positive Podcast. Today I have the honor to talk to Kathleen van der Rucht. Kathleen is a researcher at Kaulöwen and her work focuses on the how and the why of mindfulness, how it can be helpful to people who need it and why it is helpful in the first place. So welcome Kathleen. Kathleen, you have a background in biology and 20 years of experience in biological research. So what was it that made you change topic and get involved in mindfulness research instead? Well, first of all, thank you, Marilyn, for this invitation. Before I started my research on mindfulness, I was working indeed as a biologist at the Department of Biology. We were doing research on aquatic systems and biodiversity. And during this time, I had long evening discussions with my colleagues. The research that we were doing was mainly basic research, and it was innovative, and we were very successful also regarding the scientific output. But I was really struggling with the fact that I could do more in relation to the problems that we were facing in society. And also, at the same time, there were some personal things happening in my life, and I started to follow a mindfulness training. So a classical eight-week training. And after this training, I was, in the beginning, when I started, very skeptical. But after the eight weeks, I was really amazed. And I couldn't really understand what was happening. I just felt that it had a strong impact on me. As a scientist, I wanted to know more. I wanted to... Yeah, understand what was happening. So I continued practicing and I also read some books, uh, for instance, the book by John Kabat-Zinn, Full Catastrophe Living. And there he described mindfulness as a skill, a skill that can be developed through practice, just like any other skill. And I thought this is very interesting because if it helps me, it might be of help for many other people. And then How can we bring it to those people without fake positivity or mystification? And then I was thinking, okay, we have to do research, more research on mindfulness so that we can in a scientific way understand it. And that's the moment that I started to switch from discipline. And so I stopped my research in biology and I went to the psychology departments to do research on mindfulness. That was really like from a personal point that you decided to go into the psychology department. And it seems like it's very fulfilling way for you to do your work. So that's nice yeah. to hear. You already touched on that a bit, but how would you relate your previous work in biology with mindfulness? And in your current work, can you also touch on the biological basis of mindfulness too? Being a biologist, I'm especially interested in this mind-body interaction and also on the biological pathways that are activated when, for instance, we experience stress. So we have to be aware, of course, of the fact that mindfulness research, although it is really blooming, it is for some research questions and especially regarding the biological uh, working mechanisms, it's still in its infancy. And most of the studies in this domain are still lacking of methodological issues. For instance, it's a very small sample size or, for instance, there is no control condition. So we have to be careful not to generalize those findings too much. On the other hand, what we see at this moment is that there are more and more hypotheses and also theoretical models 
showing how a training in mindfulness impacts stress processes in our mind and body. And when we look at the studies in neurobiology, we, the most of the results show in the direction of that the reactivity systems become less active when we practice mindfulness, while the regulatory systems become stronger. And what do I mean by that? For instance, recent studies show that mindfulness interventions are associated with modulations in the amygdala and anterior cingulate cortex. And specifically those regions in our brain, they together are activated when we experience stress. So they activate the stress response in our mind and body. And then on the other hand, what is also observed in studies is that the connection between the resting brain, it's the default mode network, and the regulatory attention networks is becoming stronger. So the default mode network, which is active when we are not active, so it's active when we are mind wandering or when daydreaming, and there is one interesting study, a very recent study also, which shows that the increased coupling with the regulatory brain regions and the default mode network, this was associated with improvements in, for instance, symptoms of post-traumatic stress. So this is an indication that indeed regulatory or, uh, mechanisms in our brain are more activated after following training and active mechanisms which are active when we experience stress are downregulated. And then we also finished an, uh, our own study in people who had cancer and who are experiencing cognitive impairment due to chemotherapy that they received. And there we observed that in the group who followed the mindfulness training, the connectivity in attention networks was stronger after the training compared to the control group. So these are a bit the findings, but again, much more research is needed before we can generalize those findings, I think. But that's already really interesting. It seems that this mindfulness practice really can change how our brain works or in which ways it works. So especially for people who think mindfulness is basically just sitting down and doing nothing. The research seems to show that mindfulness is a skill that can be learned and it makes a real world difference to the functioning of your brain. That's amazing. So this is really what I take home from what you explained to me, Kathleen. Maybe this is a bit of a stupid question, but for people who are not in the mindfulness area, what actually is mindfulness? What is like a short description of it? Okay, there are no stupid questions. So to describe mindfulness is always a bit uh, difficult. I think you can say that mindfulness is all about deep awareness and you can practice awareness or you can train to become aware by bringing your attention in the here and now. And how do you do that? You bring your attention to your breath or to your body sensations, your emotions, your thoughts. And you do that in a very particular way. So you are not judging what is there at this moment, but you look at your experiences with an open and also a very curious attitude, also with compassion. And by bringing your attention in this particular way to your experiences, 
you are no longer identifying yourself with your experience and you are not caught in your personal narratives. So you really learn to understand, to observe how your own mind is working. And by practicing that, you really can change your relationship with your thoughts, with your emotions. So that's really, I think, the essence of what mindfulness is. I also remember that John Kabat-Zinn always says that when I have to summarize it in one word, I usually say that it's all about relationality. And that's indeed what it's all about, I think. It's about changing your relationship with your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own pain, for instance. And you can even broaden that and open that. It's also about your relationship with other people or with nature, with planets. I really like what you say, that it's basically about observing your own mind. So that's a really, that resonates with many people, I think. Coming to the next question, what is the value of mindfulness for you personally? Uh, for me personally, um, by practicing mindfulness, I am more aware of mm -hmm. my own habitual patterns. And mindfulness really helps me to be in a wise relationship with that. Uh, so what I mean, I am a person who is sensitive to stress. And when I am stressed, I also have the tendency to think in a more negative way about things. And it also happens that then one negative thought is evoking another one. And before I know it, I am in a more depressed mood. I think this is recognizable by many people. And mindfulness really helped me to observe these patterns of my own mind. But I also think that mindfulness is really a lifelong learning process and you have to practice. In fact, it, you can see it as a lifelong training to make this awareness your default mode instead of the mind wandering, what, what we are, were talking about before. So it really needs practice. Okay, so it seems like it's really a skill that you, yeah, you have to first practice a lot before you get to the higher stages, let's say. So you already talked about that mindfulness can help you to basically recognize your negative patterns and basically what consequences these have. But in general, what would you say, how can mindfulness be helpful to people and how can it influence their lives in a good way, in a positive way? Well, the most important thing is, I think, again, that it can help them to change their relationship with their thoughts, with their emotions, which is a very strong thing. And there is also a lot of evidence now that mindfulness is, can be seen as an antidote of this repetitive negative thinking, which is also a predictor of many mood disorders. So when you can practice mindfulness before this has become a kind of disorder, then it can be used as a preventive training, let's say. So that's one thing, and this observing of those patterns and then not getting caught in this negative thinking is really one of the very important working mechanisms also of mindfulness. But there is more than that when you practice mindfulness. You can see mindfulness as a program which is a perfect fit uh, for integrative medicine, I think. So medicine where you really look at mind and body processes. And when we look at the mechanisms based on such an integrative approach, Recent findings also show that there is an interaction between the changes that occur in your brain, changes in psychological processes, 
also changes in behavior, in lifestyle, even in your physiology. But again, more research is needed in this field to clarify all those pathways, I think. But it's already really great finding that there are changes that are in line of the brain and the body and also your psychology. So that's already great that it can have so many influences on people. So when you were interested in practicing mindfulness, what are specific practices that you can do to experience these benefits of mindfulness? Where would you start with? I think the best way to start with mindfulness is to follow a, a mindfulness training. Nowadays, you can do that online or you also have a lot of mobile applications that support your daily practice. So what is important when you start with mindfulness is that you are aware of the fact that there are two types of exercises. You, first, you have those formal exercises, which are really meditation practices. And classic exercises are, for instance, a body scan or a sitting meditation. And Next to these formal meditation practices, you also have informal practices where you bring your awareness to your daily activities, like for instance, brushing your teeth or taking a shower. How much time you have to spend on these practices uh, before you have any result is difficult to say. It's a good research question, but we still don't know the answer. But I think because it, the fact that it is a training of your mind, I think the most important thing is that you do it on a regular basis. Okay, so really the training where you get support from a trainer seems to be very important to first get started. I guess it's also a motivational thing, right? If you're in this yeah. group and you have somebody who motivates you, then you're more likely to stay in, in the practice and not cancel it after two days or something. To finish off, I wanted to ask you whether there are any books or movies that you can recommend to anyone interested in getting to know a little bit more about mindfulness? Yeah, there are a lot of books, very interesting books on these topics. But the book that I read most recently was a very nice one, and it's called Love and Rage. And this is written by Lama Rod Owens. And in this book, he describes about the anger due to systemic racism in the U.S. and how to transform this anger into a force of, for liberation. And this is also a very yeah, powerful book and I would like to recommend it. But still, my favorite books are the books written uh, by John Kabat-Zinn, I think. Thank you very much. That indeed sounds really interesting, especially with the Black Lives Matter debate in the media in the previous weeks. It seems very important, this book that you recommended. I will yeah. definitely have a look into that as well. And nice. so thank you so much for taking the time to reply to all my questions. And yeah, have a great week.